Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey world, this is Jamie, host of the Jamie and Jenty Show. Broadcasting live each week on Tuesday at 12 p.m. from Fishbowl Studios. Log on to hear sports talk from basketball to football and view your feedback on the biggest sports news you want to talk about from around the world. So be sure to log on each week Tuesdays at 12 p.m. to catch the Jamie and Jenty Show. Hope to see you soon on Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in. Welcome to the Beyond the Gate podcast on Fishbowl Radio. My name is Jamie. It's Tuesday, December the 5th, 2023. Man, we're in December already. That's 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 uh, <laughs> that's interesting. But um, welcome, everyone. How's everyone out there doing? Good? That's good. And shout out to millions out there. Uh, they are joining us. The audience is joining us today. Uh, hopefully, um, y'all find this entertaining and, and exciting. Uh, as you go on with me and, and, and we, we're, we're going to talk about the sports together. And also, shout out to the great Rachel. The great Rachel. Uh, she's part of the Dallas Weekly. I'll, I'll pull up her information in, in, here in a second. But I did an interview with her yesterday, and it was a great interview. Uh, basically, just talking about promoting my podcast on, on, on you know, around the Metroplex to um, – to anywhere that people can subscribe to. So thank you for that opportunity, Rachel, and I'm really, really appreciative of it. And, uh, and that interview may be released on Friday, so check it out. We had a bunch of fun over there, even though I was at McDonald's and my Wi-Fi does not work at the house, so I didn't have any privacy there. So you have to ignore the noise that, that I was experiencing because, you know, there was a lot of people walking around talking behind me and but anyways, we had to get it done. Get it done for the better good, right? But today, we're going to talk about this Cowboys versus this Seahawks versus Cowboys matchup that happened on Thursday night. And then we'll talk about some Eagles stuff as well. Is there an Eagles redemption? Now remember, we lost this game 28-23 on November the 5th. So, is there a redemption? Who knows? But let's let's dive into this Seahawks matchup and see what what we're, we were thinking. Okay, so the star was a quarterback, Geno Smith. You know, I thought Geno Smith was wasn't you know going to last in the league. I thought he he would he would have retired a lot earlier than expected. But anyways, uh, you know, I I I didn't believe in Geno Smith till till I saw I saw snippets of it this season and he really elevated his game to newer newer heights and he did he's done a phenomenal job phenomenal job getting up getting those uh making those reads you know making those quarterback reads and and making the plays when they, when they are happening 23 for 41 for 334 yards three touchdowns and an interception okay so this man has 2,918 yards and 15 touches and nine, and nine interceptions through 12 games. 
do 12, I think it's 11. Do 11, 11 or 12 against whatever that may be. And I'm like, wow. Gino has really, has really improved. And I remember years ago when he got drafted by, when he was in the Jets uniform. He threw a pass, a long, a deep pass out of bounds that I thought, I thought his career was over. I mean, anytime, anytime you're in a Jets uniform, your career is, is over, especially on the offensive end. And so, was that being said, but nonetheless, they love him in, in Seattle. And I thought, okay, well, when, when Russ left, Gino is never going to lead him to anywhere. And now you have them in the second place in the NFC West. You're not, you, first of all, you're not going to catch the 49ers. The 49ers are going to dominate that division. Okay? Maybe a wild card spot. Maybe. Maybe. But we'll see. Because we own one of those wild card spots right now. Give or take, right? So... Seahawks fans should be excited about their quarterback. You know, he's not Russell West, Wilson. He's Geno Smith. And Geno Smith has been a little bit better than Russ. So, in my eyes. So, that's my opinion. But let's get to our quarterback, Dak Prescott. I know people hate here talking about Dak Prescott, especially the guy to my right, because he thinks uh, – he thinks Dak's overrated. I'm like, why? And I'm, I'm going to give you Dak, Dak haters, especially LaShawn McCoy, a lesson here. But first, let's dive into the stats. 29 for 41 for 299 and three touchdowns. He was sacked four times, which was not his fault. Uh, he, again, Dak haters. They need to stop. And then no turnovers. And then I, I just noticed that the here we go signal at the line of scrimmage is more of a change of play call, which I couldn't find that clip where Aaron Rodgers was talking about the the, the play calling at the line of scrimmage of what of what here, here here we go meant. And so there you go. To me, it's a change of line. Is it, we're changing the play at the line of scrimmage. So I think that's what he said. But nonetheless, let's hear from Dak. The first Dak hater, LaShawn McCoy, uh, he was talking about, you know, what Dak needs to improve after, you know, after after Dak literally dominated Seattle. Literally dominate them. Let's hear from LaShawn McCoy, please. I mean, Dak Prescott, see, I tell people all the time with the Dallas Cowboy fans, this is not with Dak. I don't even know the guy. So I was, I'm always honest. If he's playing bad, I said he's playing good. He's, I, I said he's playing phenomenal right now. This is the best I've ever seen that Prescott play. Small things like he's using his legs a lot better. Mm-hmm. He looks a little bit more elusive. His ball placement. Mm. There's a pass to CD Lamb in the end zone. The drop one? No, 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 not even the drop one. <laughs> I mean, that was dangerous. Your boy should have caught that pick. You could you? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, but I'm talking about the, the touchdown. Yep. To back, the, that, that's, that's a dot. I'm not used to seeing him throw dots like that. So I am a, a, a impressed the way he's been playing and I don't care nothing about the competition, yes, I would love to see him play against better competition and do them things. But it's the NFL, right? And he doesn't make the, the schedule. He's right. balling out. The only question I do have about that, is he always has a little question mark, Joey Taylor. <laughs> so, keywords, phenomenal, fantastic. 
LaShawn McCoy, you should have you you should just stop there. You should just stop there. Because you just said this man is playing phenomenal. So are you saying Dak is an MVP candidate like most people are been saying right now? I think he is. But let's hear the other side from LaShawn McCoy. Play that other clip, please. I mean, Dak Prescott, see, I tell people all the time with the Dallas Cowboy fans, this is not personal with Dak. I don't even know the guy. So I'm, just, I'm always honest. If he's playing bad, I said he's playing good. He's, I, I love the way Dak Prescott is playing right now. I just got to see the same type of behavior, same type of swagger, same type of plays being made when things are not perfect, when the offense are, 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 are not gelling, when, when, when you're getting touched more by defensive ends, when people's more in your face, when, when you may throw a pick, you may throw two picks. How do you respond? Um, Deron Bland last night. Yeah. I love. I, I was so happy that he was getting beat like that. You know why? Because everybody praises you when everything's going good. Mm-hmm. How do you bounce back when you getting picked on? They was picking on him. They was. And what did he do? He made a play. That's what great players do. I gotta see that from Dak Prescott. Mm. I mean, Dak Prescott. See, I tell people all the time with the Dallas Cowboy fans. This is not personal with Dak. I don't even know the guy. So I'm, just, I'm always honest. If he's playing bad, I say it. He's playing good. He's, I, I say it. He's playing phenomenal right now. This is the best I've ever seen that Prescott play. Small things like he's using his legs a lot better. Mm-hmm. He looks a little bit more elusive. His ball placement. Mm. There's a pass to C.D. Lamb in the end zone. The drop one? No, no, no. Not even the drop one. <laughs> I mean, that was dangerous. Your boy should have caught that pick. You could you? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, anyway, but I'm talking about the, the touchdown. Yep. CD. Back, the, that, that's, that's a dot. I'm not used to seeing him throw dots like that. So I am a, a, a impressed the way he's been playing. And I don't care nothing about... The competition, yes. I would love to see him play against better competition and do them things. But it's the NFL, right? And he doesn't make the, the schedule. He's right. balling out. The only question I do have about Dak is he always has a little question mark, Joey Taylor. <laughs> when I watch Dak for all these years, I feel like he's the best when everything is cool and collected. When everything's going good, right? Everything's going well for the offense. He's confident, right? Even his interviews is different, right? His interviews is just, you know what I mean? He make a play, he start flexing. Like, he's a different type of dude when things are going right. Yeah. That's when things are going bad, right? It's when it's when you may be on the road. It's when you playing the, the, the Niners at home, right? Our, we need that same Dak Prescott from last night against them type of teams. And when things go bad, then you start seeing the head dropping. Then you start then you start hearing the interviews. Well, you know what? You, it's not us. You know the media. Y'all y'all picked us to be this great because he did it before. So all I'm saying is I love the way Dak Prescott is playing right now. I just got to see the same type of behavior, same type of swagger, same type of plays being made. When things are not perfect, when the offense. Can't a quarterback have one bad game? Can't he have one bad game? Of course, that can have two. Well, I'll, I'll give him one. One against the 49ers. I don't blame him for the Cardinals. That was just ugly. For all the overall team aspect. 
But but he's right to a sense that Dak, the interviews have changed for Dak. However, he's wrong that what el- what else does Dak need to prove? What else does he need to prove at all? Dak has proved it. Dak has answered every single question we're, we're asked, we have asked of him. He has answered the bell. When C.D. Lamb got, when they got into a little communication issue after the 49ers game, it was C.D. Lamb that said, hey, you know, what's going on? I need the football. But, of course, C.D. Lamb has to fight for the ball. Like I said before in the, in the 49ers, on the 49ers week, I said C.D. has to fight for the ball so that Dak can, can find him and give him the ball. And C.D. has done that. The communication at Linus Scrimmage has improved. This team overall has improved, has came collectively together. They have never lost it. They have never lost their sense of of, of togetherness. They have never lost it. Even when they, they they lost to the Eagles, even though they they got beaten up in, in, in San Francisco, the Cardinals was a, a, a surprise. We expect nothing much from this team so Dak's playing fine playing great haters like Stephen A. Smith and LaShawn McCoy and other people in the state in this in in Dallas Fort Worth y'all are not watching the games y'all are watching y'all are watching Dak fail y'all watching one when Dak makes that one pass you expect that to be intercepted and then you find a way to chew his ass out after the game Oh yeah, he shouldn't make that throw. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, he should have ran for that first down. It happens, man. Dak is going to be Dak. Dak has improved. Can't people improve? Dak's one of them. Number two, CD. Shout out to these offensive players. CD Lamb, of course, twelve receptions for one sixteen and a touchdown. Jake Ferguson. Six for seven and a touchdown. Now, Jake Ferguson has some swag to him. I like the fact that he wasn't letting any Seattle Seattle Seahawks defender get near him, get toughen him, rough him up. I love the response of Jake Ferguson. I love it. I love it. I just thought, I just, I, I honestly thought when that was going to come out. He surprised me. I said, when Jake Ferguson got into the face of Jamal Adams, I said, Jake Ferguson has changed. I don't know if it's personal. I don't know if his girlfriend changed because he's dating uh, Haley Kavanagh or Hannah. Well, I think it's Haley Kavanagh, who, by the way, is transferring to TCU. So there you go. She'll be around. But anyways, uh, I love Jake Ferguson's toughness. I love how C.D. Lamb is fighting. And so, what can this receiver group do no wrong? What can Brandon Cooks do no right? What can Jalen Torbert do right? CD, Jake Ferguson, what they can do right? I mean, the offense is, the, hey, you guys set, set for what it is, you know? These offensive players are great. They're great players. It's just they haven't, they haven't had a chance to get the ball to shine. And so now they got the ball to shine, and, and hey, everything's fine in, in the neighborhood. Number three, the defense. 
the defense held their own. Now, we gave up 35 points. Uh, that's a tough Seattle team. Seattle could have easily won that game, but Seattle went 0 for 3 on fourth down. Okay. Then we we tackled a little bit better at the line of scrimmage in the second half. I know I know in the first half we didn't we didn't do well, you know, tackling in open space, but we did we 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 tackled a little bit better. I know DK Metcalf is tough to tackle. I know um, their running back Zach Zach Charbonnet is tough to tackle as well. Gino was getting protected heavily in the in the first half, and so in the second half you had to change the overall play calling on defense. You had to pressure him a little bit, make sure that Michael got home. In the, if he if he if even if he didn't, then he got Osa, you got Mozzie, you got Tank, who can finish the job. Plus Dante Fowler too, and and Sam Williams as well. So. So that's what I saw in the in the second half. Is Micah creating a presence so that these guys can roam free and get to the quarterback and, and cause some disruption? Bland, Deron Bland needed some help. Needed to he needed to be hit in the face a little bit. Okay, he get overall he gave up eight receptions for hundred for almost two hundred yards, basically one hundred ninety-two yards and two touchdowns. He gave up 73 to Metcalf, which, I mean, Metcalf is, is, is a beast. So I, I, I didn't expect the Cowboys to stop him. And plus, Metcalf had three touchdown ca- catches. So, so I didn't expect, uh, I didn't expect Deron Bland to shut him down all the way. I expected, uh, I expected them to go a little bit more zone coverage in the second half. Which they did, and so, um, but Bland Bland couldn't didn't have his best game. But when it counted, he made the most. He made the most. And let's play that clip from Drummond's interception again. Again, they, I think that's the seventh interception of the season. Phenomenal. Let's play that clip, please on the football. Remember, it's third down. He's thinking about the sticks. He actually works to the outside with and maybe before Lockett does. High school wide receiver, great instincts, locates the football, steps in front of it, and makes amends for that first half. Okay, so I think the score was 35-27 at the time in the fourth quarter. That was huge. That was when Seattle was driving was trying to drive on that third down. And we were down 35-27 to 27 at the time. And De'Ron Bland made the biggest play of, of the season. And it set up a, a field goal. So, to me, to me, De'Ron Bland could do no wrong. He's done everything right. It's just that one of the game, you just got to get hit in the mouth. And he will recover from this. And it wasn't just him. It was just, uh, you know, Stephon Gilmore. I want him to step up a little bit. Marquise Bell, when he's there, he uh, – I, I, I want to shame Marquise Bell a lot. But Marquise Bell, he's one of those type of dudes that that if you're trying to play football for the first time in your life, you should watch how Marquise Bell tackles. 
wrapping up the defender, not allowing the running back to get an extra two to three yards. Of course, you know, most most players these days tackle one arm. His tackling is that I'm going to tackle you high. I'm going to bring you down on the waist. By the, sorry, by the waist. And so I want that textbook tackle or all his tackles of Marquis Bell to be in a page somewhere that if someone's playing football for the first time, I wanted to see how he tackles. The best I ever seen. But now you played against a good team. That's a good team in Seattle. LaShawn McCoy, I'm sorry, they were six and five coming in the game. We were down. We, well, we were down the half by 21 to 20. We were down 35 to 20 in the second half. So not 35 20. I'm my bad. We were down 28 to 20, and then we, we scored, and then we were down 35 27, and then we were down for like four minutes, and then we went on a drive, we scored a field goal, we got the interception, well, interception, we scored We scored on the field goal, and then we scored a touchdown. We had a fourth down stop at midfield when Seattle was driving. So, that set up a Jake Ferguson touchdown, and the game is history. So, that's a good team in, in Seattle. Now, now, how do you fix this defense? A, a, a play, how do you fix this defense? This Cowboys defense against a good team like the Eagles, like Buffalo, like Miami, Detroit coming up. You just play. You just you just play. You just play. You just play to to. You just see what the offense is showing you. You prepare, and you go out there and execute the game plan, which they have done against lesser teams. You think that lesser teams, you think it's just a walk in the park. You don't prepare for them and all that stuff. That's not the case. You never know these lesser teams like Carolina could beat you. Uh, the Giants. You know? The Cowboys have better preparement this this game, this, this, this season, in preparing for good teams. And again, they'll, they'll, they'll shine. Those shine against good teams. We just got to see what happens. Now, that game was on was last Thursday, so I really wanted to talk about that because I said, you know, let me let me finish up the conversation of everybody was talking about <laughs> because Stephen A. left some things out, but I, I already fill up filled in those holes.
You gotta pressure him. Don't make him step up in the pocket. You gotta make sure that we gotta have four to five guys, maybe six guys on him at all times. And then the back end will take care of itself. I'm talking about the secondary. We'll we'll take care of itself. Number three, close the running game. You gotta close the running game. DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, they're not bad guys, but they'll but they, they they're not gonna beat you. They're not going to beat you because the Eagles don't run the ball as much as these teams are set, saying, are, are doing. They don't run the ball as much. So, with that being said, we got to close the running game down, which I I honestly think we, we, we will. Number four, jam A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, especially A.J. Brown. We got to jam him at the line of scrimmage. I don't know if if if, if when, when the snap when when they used to do this back in the old day, right? Old football, right? They used to do when the snap when when the ball when when the hut was count was was said, they allowed you to push the receiver off their 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 route. So in that case, if the receiver is lining up. Like an AJ Brown, for example, it's lined up against Deron Bland or Stephon Gilmore. I'm not. I don't want Stephon Gilmore on AJ Brown. I want Deron Bland or Marquise Bell to to alternate on on AJ Brown. I will want that if I'm if I'm the defensive corner. I I will I will value that matchup. Then I will say, okay, let's go ahead and jam AJ Brown. Let's go ahead and push off his route so that he may have to take a, a detour. I don't know if that is allowed in the NFL right now. I don't know. I've never seen any of this, these guys do it. I know that they're, they're playing four or five yards off. And to me, it's kind of weird because I don't want my, I don't want a, a receiver getting an easy access, access to the ball. So with that being said, I, I just, I, I don't want that for, for them, for him. No, I'm sorry, not for him. I don't want that for that issue. I don't want that at all. I don't want AJ Brown going off on us. I don't. I'm especially don't want the Devontae Smith going off because easily those guys can go off with one simple pass to those guys, and those guys can make plays like crazy. I don't want that. I want us to be physical at the line at the line at the at the line of scrimmage. All right, so number five. Now there was an issue in the 49ers game where Drake Greenlaw and Don Nazario got into it. That's the head of security for the for the Eagles. Okay. Now I'm 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 reading up on Don Nazario. I know all I know is that he's been a security guard for the team for 25 years. I'm reading more about it, about him, okay? He made some headlines in the game on Sunday. Let's play that clip from the, from the 49ers and the, and, and the uh, Eagles security staff, please. Let's go downstairs to Tom. What's going on down there, Tom? You're get, seeing it. Get that happened maybe five yards away from where we're standing. You could see that it's when Greenlaw reached out toward Dom, who provides security and so much else, as we're talking to the Eagles. 
Personal foul, number 57 of San Francisco, who has also been disqualified. Well, he told you they could do that after looking at it, and he has been thrown out. That's enormous. Tom is going to continue to just raise the ladder of local heroes here in Philadelphia. <laughs> there might be a statue of them if the Eagles win this game. Wow. Now it's a heavyweight fight. Wow. Now you... He's going to sell a lot of t sweatshirts. He's going to sell a lot of sweatshirts. This is unbelievable. We told you about the trash talk from last year's championship game. They had a little bit of a scuffle before the game. And now it's all coming out as the Eagles trying to get back into it on this drive. But it's kind of like you said. The Eagles are kind of asleep. And you wonder if they're giving them the juice to wake up here. I think so. That sideline was fired up. They, they did not like the way great Drake Greenlaw took Devontae Smith to the ground. That was clearly a personal foul. And then the subsequent getting in the face with the sideline led to the ejection. So Drake Greenlaw, obviously the 49ers, a defense full of stars, but it's a monstrous loss. So good for them. Oren Burks will probably get most of his reps, even though he technically is a starter anyway. I wonder if they're telling Dom, the security, head of security here, talking to the officials, are they telling him now he might have to leave the sidelines? I, I wonder if they're going to make him and Drake Greenlaw I, both I, leave the sidelines. Which is kind of wild because he's the head of security. Yeah, so no, his, they're making him leave. He's, his, he's walking away. His responsibility is there. Yeah. I think you're right. This, this is unbelievable. Tom, let's go back to you. I know a lot going on down there. Kev, that's exactly what happened. Greg was all over it. They they came back, motioned back over, and Dom is now leaving the sideline. Wow, you want to talk about a spark for this sideline. Sirianni saw Greenlaw make contact with Dom. That ignited people. And now, if you're going to go one for one, Dom, who's supposed to provide security, is on his way out. Wow. He's been with the organization forever. Aaron, you're on the other side around Greenlaw. What's up there? Yeah, Dre Greenlaw standing right in front of me, guys. You see it right there. Hands on his hips. Kyle Shanahan's just been going after the official right in front of it. He has been leaving the field right now, too. Guys, this is wild. <laughs> I'm telling you, he, he's he's the most popular guy in Philadelphia right now. Look, he's getting a standing O. This is unbelievable. I mean, we started the broadcast telling you he gave us a great restaurant deal last night. Now he's getting a standing O at the link. Okay, so anyways, that's what you can't mess with Don Desario. Now the NFL, I hope they don't come out was fines and suspensions for both those guys. I honestly feel like those guys should have never been, been ejected. So I, I agree with Brandon Graham. None of those guys should have been ejected at all. So with that being said, why are, why you took a guy, well Drake Greenlaw, you took a guy that which, you know, it is what it is. You're Dom is doing the right thing of sticking up for this guy. He's security, for example. He protects the players. In every walks in life. And so I don't want the the Cowboys to be in that situation. Okay? We have to walk away from that. It, of course it, it it damaged the Eagles because the Eagles were getting killed. And the crowd 
needed something to celebrate, which they celebrated Don Nassario, which, by the way, he's going to get everything for free for the rest of his life. As long as he lives in Philadelphia, he's everything for him will be for free for the rest of his life. Mark my words. But Drake getting along, I don't ever want you to be in that situation. Just walk away. Walk away, don't worry about it. And I hope the NFL does not suspend Don Desario. He had he did nothing wrong in that situation. He was just defending his guys like he was doing. He was basically doing his job. And don't suspend Drake Greenlaw because we're in the heat of the it's the heat of the battle. You want players to battle against each other every single Sunday. We want to see that. Not this petty eye suspension nonsense to send a message to who? Who are you sending a message to? To no one. So neither of those guys, neither of those guys should be ejected or suspended. More like more than suspended than ejected. But let's let's finish this list. Number six, secondary. Secondary is weak, so C D and Brandon Grant Brandon Cooks should eat all day. They will eat, they will have their dinner and eat dessert with it as well. So that secondary is weak. The Eagles secondary is weak. You can go over the uh Bradbury, you can go over Slay. They have no safety, so CD Lamb should have a two hundred yard receiving game. And a Cowboys victory. Or better yet, hold on, better yet. Brandon Cooks or Michael Gallup or should have a hundred yard game. All three of those guys should at least have 80-plus yards receiving. And Dak will have over 500 yards passing. I'm not predicting that, but that should happen. That secondary is so weak. Number number, number seven, Nick Sirianni is is an asshole as a coach. He is an asshole. And I'm pretty sure he's going to be... Something, saying something stupid between, between now and Saturday to hype his players up to get ready for this matchup. Even though you got your ass whooped by the, by the 49ers. So, you have nothing to play for. You're going to come here and we're going to control first place. We will get first place in our house. You have shown nothing. Y'all have struggled. Y'all have struggled. You barely beat Buffalo. Barely. You can't or the cheat and the Chiefs. What about them? I hate Nick Nick, Nick, Nick Sirianna. He's overrated as a coach. Number eight, Phil. Well, you know, we when it comes down to this matchup, Philadelphia fans are gonna are going to invade Dallas, and I and I hope they don't cause a fight. I don't want fight at, at Jerry's world. I don't want to see it, honestly. Because I have to, I have to, um, I have to look into it. If there is a fight at Jerry's World, there shouldn't be. But Philadelphia fans that live here, they're going to control the stadium. They're going to wear their gear. They're going to sing their their ridiculous fight song, and they're they're going. They think they're going to win this game. I don't think so. I don't think so. Number nine. Like I said, this is a big game for Dallas. 
loss. You got the loss that the Eagles were were, were trying to get. You're nine and three. You're six and zero oh at home. You're going. You won 15 straight at home. You can easily get first place winning this game. You can beat the Eagles. You can. Jalen Hurts has not played up to par in the last few games. He's playing hurt. The running game is it has it, it hasn't shown its effectiveness, which is why you lost Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. I think Boston Scott's still on the team. I think he's still on the team. The receiving core can be stopped. A.J. Brown can be stopped. The offensive line is beating up and old. You can go through Jason Kelsey. You can go through Lane Johnson. They're, both of those guys, well, especially Lane Johnson, he's hurt. He's not fully recovered. You can attack them through the middle and get to Jalen Hurts. Their defense, they have a good front seven, but we can get to their secondary. Dak, as long as he extends the pocket, as long as Dak gets extends the pocket, he can get it to those receivers. He can easily have 500 yards passing in this game alone. But again, this is a big game for Dallas. That this is a control of first place in the, in, the, in in not only the NFC East, the whole entire NFC. First place, Dallas. See, this is why you beat the worst teams. Anybody that you play on the you this is why you take care of them early so that so that later on you face those, those teams like the Eagles or Buffalo, whoever that can hit you in the mouth. It elevates you to play. And I know Michael Parsons is ready. Dak is ready. Mike McCartney is ready. I'm ready. Number 10. You got to start early to put him in. Start early first and then put him put him the rest early. I'm oh, sorry. Put him away in the end. So, you got to score early so that they, they don't have a chance to come back. You see how the 49ers did it? The 49ers scored on six straight possessions. They didn't even have to punt. They put them out early. They said, you know what? We're going to control our guy. Y'all have to stop us. Of course, we, we don't have better players than the 49ers. We don't. But we have quality. We have quality, and we have a great defense. Listen, we gave up 28 points in Philly. On November the 5th. It's embarrassing. We gave it 35 to Seattle last week. Don't you think the defense is bound for a rebound game? Don't you think Rob Bland's bound for a rebound game? Don't you think Michael Parsons, all of these things that he, he has said recently, don't you think he's bound to have a game like this to put his mark on the map? Well, put our name on the map. Stephen A., LaShawn McCoy praise us. Wear your Cowboys jersey. The guys that I fight with, there's three guys that I fight with every single day on the Cowboys. Not on, not on, the, team, not on the players. But three not three Cowboys Dak haters that I fight with on a daily basis about this team. They will wear their Cowboys jerseys. They will praise Dak. And I'll let them know. Number five, Seattle, 35, Dallas, 41. This is my final thing on this, on this game. I'm, and then I'm not going to talk about it ever again. Okay? They got hit in the mouth early, which this was the game that got hit. They got, they got physically hit. Uh, 10 days rest. Don't get big-headed. 
fans. We haven't done anything yet. Um, we handle business. We hand, got to handle business at home. 15 straight, continue it on. Remember, after this home game, you don't have a home game until December the 30th. So handle handle the business at, at home Sunday night and then go from there. And then intercept the conversation between the Eagles and the 49ers. So all these major networks are talking about the Eagles and the 49ers. They're not even talking about the Bears or the Vikings. They're not even talking about the NFC uh, North. They're not talking about the, they're barely talking about the AFC. They're barely talking about Dallas. And every time you ask them about Dallas, Deshaun and Stephen A are making comments about, oh, well, you know, um, you know, excuse me, the 49ers and Eagles are better than the Cowboys. Um, yeah, the 49ers are, but the Eagles are not. The Eagles are not better than the Cowboys. I tell you that right now. They're not. They're not better. We, we, we can beat them. We can. All right. So that's my take for the Seattle and Dallas. Five takeaways from that game. Let's move on to college football. Okay. So now there was uproar. There, there, there was up, there was uproar, and also let let me give a shout out to Texas. Okay, I remember two years ago, and everybody brought it up on Instagram. They made a post. It was, it was some I I can't remember what post it was it was on. I I commented on it. I said Texas has not done anything. Why are we hyping them up? This was two years ago. Okay. They have not done anything. We got to stop hyping them up. And now, let's play a clip from that Texas title game against Oklahoma State, which they dominated, by the way. Let's play that clip where Devondre Sweat or Swift scored that touchdown play. So let's play that clip. Byron Murphy came in as a blocker, and it's a touchdown. Thrown to Tavondre Sweat. Both star defensive tackles were on the field for Texas. And Sweat the catch for a 20-7 to lead. We're saying, like I said, I said, Texas is not legit. And you got Texas fans trolling me saying, Oh, they put in the long corner sign up. They're doing all this and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, great. You had your moment. You won. You won the championship in your final season. That's how you do it. That's how you do it, North Texas. <clears throat> you before you move to another conference, you have to win the conference USA in your final season, which you did not. Texas did. They won the Big 12 in their final season. They knew it's important. To go to to leave the Big 12 on a high front from the Big 12 to the SEC on, on momentum. Y'all don't have that, North Texas, in football sense. Y'all don't have that. That's how you do it, Texas. But again, y'all have not done anything. Yeah, I'm gonna keep saying that because Texas has to win the whole thing for me to tell y'all that you're back. Now you got to go play against Washington and prove that. 
privileged guest watch it, beat Washington, and then I would say, okay, hey, you, you beat Washington, so great, fine, whatever, okay? You beat Washington, you took care of business. But nonetheless, Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama are your four, okay? Why didn't Florida State get in? Florida State went 13-0. So, let me, let me, let me, let me see why Alabama got in. So, Alabama lost Texas 34-24. They beat South, but they beat South Florida 17-3. This team was mediocre the first half of the season, and Nick Saban knew that. They knew Nick's. They knew Nick Saban didn't have a quarterback. They could have just Jalen Moore. Jalen Moore, to his credit, improved. Improved from October on. He improved. He said, "I got replaced by this other quarterback." I said, "You know what?" And by the way, that quarterback there, I just found out he's in the transfer portal today, not for football, for lacrosse. And I'm like, man, golly, I'm not trying to judge him, but it's like. You, you went from the starter quarterback at Alabama to lacrosse. I'm like, wow. All right. Well, more power to you. Uh, anyways, um, then you beat Texas A&M 26-20, and then you beat Arkansas 24-21, which Nick Saban hasn't been happy about. And I said on this podcast, I said Nick Saban has to, has to be all right with med- was, uh, more, moral, moral victories. He's got to be all right with it. It's not the same dominance that Alabama has has shown in the last 20 years. Well, not 20 years, but the last 10 years they have shown, you know, it's not the same anymore. Guys are transferring out. Um, guys are, are, are not taking the game seriously. You, on the other hand, are taking the game seriously. You're coaching. You're making adjustments. You're trying to get players to buy in. Which that's a tough that that's that that's a tough pill to swallow. Well, that's a, that, that's a tough pitch to sell because you're selling you're selling players on your program. They want to play for you, Nick. They want they do, but that's a tough pill to swallow. Just tough pitch to sell. You gotta ask Coach Sanders, Coach Prime, about that. You think you think Coach Prime losing three players, and I mentioned Coach Prime because they talked about Florida. They talked about him coaching Florida State. The reason why I say Coach Prime, because his message is clear: you come here, you buy in. If you don't, then you're out. It's like it's, he's that third or fourth parent. But then again, these players are entitled. They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be told what to do. They want to go do what they want to go do. They want to be around a coach, around an environment. They are able to go do what they want to go do. And so, I don't know what that means, but I'm pretty sure that that the one season that they have, they can put up good to great numbers, and then they they want to transfer again. There's a lot of players in this transfer floor. A lot of players. A lot of entitled players in this transfer quarter that want to shine for themselves. And, I, and it's fine. It's fine if you think that you you, you you get more play time elsewhere. 
or you think that you're going to be, you, you think this college is going to get you over the top elsewhere, then by all means, go do what you got to go do. But nonetheless, anyways, I don't know how Alabama got in. I guess they were saying the SEC didn't want, they, they didn't want, they didn't want Alabama to go in. I like what Prime said. Prime said, Prime said he's the, Nick Saban's the grandfather of the college football playoff. Without Alabama, the college football playoff is history. Okay? And let me tell you why I don't agree with this. And I still don't agree with this to this day. Usually I hear ESPN, Fox opinions about it. It's more ESPN than Fox opinions because they don't talk about college football. When I hear Paul Feibon and others agree with this, 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 was Alabama being at number four, being a college football playoff, I lost my mind. I don't agree with it. What has Alabama shown that convinced y'all to be in that situation? I know they beat Georgia in the championship game. I know that for sure. Yes. You're supposed to be the number one team in the land. Yes, absolutely. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make sense. You're talking about one lost team. Two, We got two one-loss teams in the college football playoff. That has never happened before. Two. I'm like, why? Why do we have two one-loss teams in the college football playoff? Does it make it relevant? We had three player teams that went undefeated. Actually, four. But if you want to count Liberty, but but it's a joke. The system is broken. It's a joke. But Alabama should be nowhere near the college level playoff. Which, by the way, I like the fact that they're there because they had to play Michigan and that and, and Michigan. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy because I want Alabama to beat the snob Michigan. Y'all doing this free hardball, free hardball nonsense. And y'all are victimized. Y'all get a grip. You're not going to be, you know you're not going to be Alabama. You know damn well you ain't going to be Alabama. You know damn well you ain't going to be Jalen Monroe. You're not going to beat him. You're not going to beat Nick Saban. Nick Saban's got this on lock. I don't agree Alabama being there, but I like the fact they got Michigan. Now, let me go to Florida State and let's play a clip from Florida State, please. Let's play uh, the response from Florida State. Do I have a clip from Florida State? I don't? Wow. All right. Well, let me do this then. All right. So Florida State was undefeated the entire season. They beat Louisville and Clemson. Louisville was the last team. Well, I'm sorry. Louisville was the ACC championship game, right? You beat. You're telling me you beat those teams, okay? You want you win the ACC, right? You go undefeated, 13 and 0. Okay. You dealt with a third quarterback. Jordan Travis went out. I'm sorry, injuries happen. You're playing a physical sport. So Jordan Travis goes out against North Alabama, which they sched- they didn't have to schedule that game, but they did. 
you got to remember, guys, whenever you're stepping on the football field, you're bound, you know, injuries happen. The committee has to know that. The committee does not have former players or athletes on that on that staff. They have former ADs. They have former – they may have a former coach. They may have a former staff member who worked, who worked at a college somewhere to make these stupid decisions. Florida State went 13-0. They did everything right. Of course, they didn't look good against Florida. Who, who does it? They beat Florida without Jordan Chavez. They took care of presence against Louisville with a third-string quarterback. Even though the third-string quarterback didn't put great numbers, they were not ready. Barmaker and Glenn were not ready to take over for Jordan Chavez. They were not ready at all. And Mike Navarro was trying. He was trying to get them ready. It's up to the player to uh, learn the playbook, communicate with the receivers, communicate with the running back where he needs the ball at, and put up a great defense like that. you telling me you hold a Florida to 50 points. You're telling me you hold a North Alabama before that game to 13 points. You're telling me you hold... Louisville to six points. And you're worried about one injury. What? Injury to one quarterback. An injury. I didn't know I didn't know that uh, an injury would cause uh, Florida State to miss the college football playoff. An injury to a quarterback. Not nonetheless, you got Tate Bottomaker who had a concussion. Then you got to go with your dirt street quarterback. So, to me, the college football playoff committee, they don't trust. They don't trust the backups. That's why I said entitled nonsense, right? Is entitlement. They wanted Jordan Travis to be the starter quarterback. So, you want Jordan Travis to play on one leg. You want, if Jordan Travis suited up for Florida and Louisville, they'll be in. Was one leg, right? Was one leg. Serious injury is one leg, right? If he, if he suited up, he'll be their quarterback, right? He'll be he'll be in the in the in the college football playoff, right? This is beyond disappointment. This is this is a joke. Y'all are like, the committee is a joke. Y'all are a joke. You are not serious. How do you choose Alabama over Florida State? I mean, Texas, I don't know. Texas deserves to be there, yeah. But Alabama does not. Yeah, I remember, Texas beat Alabama. I'm sorry. Alabama done nothing. Alabama beat Georgia. Okay, fine, great. I, mean, I at least keep Alabama at number five. That's what Michigan wanted. But then again, this is what, this is what happens. And then also, you're telling me, that these players at Florida State, right, did everything right in the summer. Summer workouts, I'm sorry, spring workouts, summer workouts. August came around. Practice, full-on practice. September, the season comes along. You win all these games. You beat Clemson. You beat Louisville. You win your whole entire ACC. And then you get to... College football playoff, and then you lose, and then you 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 play against Georgia. 
which to me is not a bad is not bad. However, Florida State should be in the college football playoff. You can't go 13-0, a gruntless schedule. A gruntless of a schedule. You go 13-0. And you're telling me that all that work these players put in, all the sacrifices they have, they have made. Yes, sacrifices. You have to make them. Players make sacrifices all the time. Human beings make sacrifices all the time unless you're selfish and you're entitled that you don't make the you don't make you don't you you don't sacrifice all the time you're telling me 13 and 0 Florida State did all that work the preparations and for what now the constellation prize is Okay, we're going to put you against Georgia. Or better yet, we're not going to put you in the college football club. You went 13-0. It's a freaking joke. It's a joke. The college football playoff is a joke. They should have made it to... They should have kept... They should have made it to 12 this season, starting this season. So that we'll see the real... The real teams that should be there. Which, by the way, I saw that module on ESPN... Of, of the 12 teams for next season well potential 12 not 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 the teams for this season but they made the module for this season and they have Florida State in it but they could have made the 12 this season the committee plays a lot of games they don't care about what the players have gone through they don't care about the players they care about the results they care about one player's injury well, not, they don't care about that. They care about they care about Alabama. They care about putting Alabama in there. As long as Nick Saban is the head coach of Alabama, Alabama is always going to be in there. Alabama is always going to be in the college football playoff, no matter if they expand it to 16 or 24. Alabama is going to be there, no matter what. If they lose three games, they're going to figure out a way to put Alabama in there. Or an SEC team to be in in the college football playoff. Which, by the way, this could be Texas Texas's last year in the college football playoff. And I'm saying that, and I'm I'm gonna stand on that because I don't think Texas will win anything in the college football playoff. I think Washington will beat them. I think Washington will beat them honestly. But I'm gonna save that till a le- I'm gonna save that for a later episode. But anyways, um. Anyways, Florida State. Y'all shouldn't be ashamed of yourselves. Y'all should be pissed off. I'm pissed off for you. I'm not even Florida, I'm not even a Florida State fan. And I'm pissed off for y'all. Because I don't like the fact that the committee wants to focus on one injury. Listen, you gave Ohio State a chance back in 2014. You gave Cardell and Jones a chance to beat Wisconsin to win a championship in 2014. With a third-string quarterback, I know Braxton Miller went down. JT Barrett went down. You focus on the on Card- Cardell Jones. So what happened between 2014 and 2023? Why couldn't you put Florida State with a backup quarterback, a third-string quarterback, to shine? 
he hasn't even he hasn't even touched the surface. Why can't you give the man a chance to shine? And now you're gonna play against a Georgia a, a Georgia team that no one's gonna watch. No one's gonna watch that. No one's gonna watch the game on December thirtieth. They're gonna watch the game on January the first. No one's gonna watch that. Oh, is it, is it December thirty first or January the first? I think it's January the first that they play the game. No one's gonna watch the game on December thirty. They're barely gonna watch a ball game. They're not gonna watch a ball game. What are y'all thinking? That's why I said college football playoffs. They're entitled. They don't care about you. They care about what's best for Alabama. What's what's best for Nick Saban? They care about that. So I'm sorry, Florida State. I'm sorry that y'all have to y'all have to live with that. And I'm sorry to the players that have to transfer out out of Florida State to go find new homes elsewhere to play. You will never play in the College Football Playoff ever again if you go into another school. And I'm saying that. And I'm saying that because I want players to stay. I want players to take the blueprint of what their coaches are showing them to stay. I want these coaches to be sellers, to be tough sellers. Don't allow, uh, listen, players are going to make the decisions at the end of the day. They are. But I want these coaches to be proactive in keeping their own. If you want to win a championship in a conference, in your conference, you keep the same players. Maybe you have, maybe you upgrade a little bit, but you keep those players around. You have a, a constructive, I'm sorry, not constructive, a productive offseason program. Show them the blueprint of where we're going to go. Alabama has done a great job doing that. Texas has done a fabulous job. They did that in the offseason. And it got them to the college football playoff. And it won them a Big 12 championship in their last season. The blueprint was there. But it's tough. They got to live through that forever. We missed our chance at the college football playoff in 2023. Now what are we going to do about that? All right, guys. That is my spill for uh, for college football today. Uh, I don't think we'll talk about college, uh, unless some major story happens between now and and December 26. That's the next time we'll talk about college football. But nonetheless, it's going to be football and basketball throughout the whole entire show, unless some major story happens between between that time, and I will definitely give my opinion on it. All right, guys, let's take a break. Now, coming up next, let's talk about some basketball stuff. Let's talk about how uh, the Mean Green basketball is doing and what is their week going to be this week. And also, let's talk about – I'm going to talk about some TCU women's basketball in my own sense. I'm going to talk about how the Spurs are str- struggling right now and how we can fix that. And also, let's talk about this LeBron and Ime Udoka stuff. Let's talk about that on the other side. It's Fishbowl Radio's Beyond the Game.
Welcome back to the Beyond the Game podcast on Fishbowl Radio. Well, welcome back. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that was that was good. Thank you, Angela, for the music. Uh, so, I said basketball. We're going to talk about basketball now. And we're transitioning because I always want to talk about the Mean Green stuff, right? I always want to talk about that stuff because I know I'm very passionate about the school. I, I'm, I'm always challenging them to... To see, even though I'm watching it from a distance, I'm always challenging them. I'm always challenging them and the announcers. So, anyways, they played Pepperdine, and Pepperdine had them beat, but they turned the ball over a lot. Pepperdine, I'm talking about Pepperdine. If I'm, if I'm a coach, right, my team is two and six. The reason why we're two and six is because we turned the ball over over 20 times a game, right? This team had 27 turnovers. Pepperdine did. Okay? North Texas won 74-57 because of those turnovers. Right? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure half those points came off turnovers. Right? I'm talking about Pepperdine. Pepperdine turned the ball to 27 times. And the coach, the coach has not said anything about it. I'm pretty sure she won't say anything about it. We turned the ball over 27 times. That's problematic. If I'm coaching basketball, the number one stat I look at is the turnovers. The shots come and go and all that stuff. Yeah, the shooting percentage, the three-point percentage, yes. But turnovers are the number one stat I always look for. Every coach is not like me. They're not like me. I look for turnovers. My teams will be... Eloquent. We were average less than 15 turnovers a game. It's just basic stuff. All you gotta do is just move. Move and communicate. That's it. But you gave North Texas a chance because you're adequate. You're, first of all, you first, y'all first, you, you pepper down, you frustrate me with your, with your, not only your turnovers, your poor shot, shot selection. You're shooting shots that are contested. Stop shooting shots out of contested shots. I would never tell a child or somebody playing basketball for the first time to shoot a contested shot. I would never do that. Which is why y'all lost. But who cares? Right? Who cares about, you know, oh, turnovers. Oh, yeah, they, they just come and go. We're just going to fix them. You ain't going to fix them. It's going to be the same old thing again, again, again. Watch. You go 2 for 28, and you lose your job. Just watch. When North Texas, uh, Tamisha uh, Lamp- Lampkin had 28 points and 5 rebounds. So, North Texas really went low, went down low in the second half, which I love. Because in the first half, they were getting out beat. They were getting out played. They were physical. Pepperdine was actually physical with them in the first half. Um... You can't give team, lesser teams the hype. This team that went 22-6 hired the interim coach at the first start of the class. And now you're telling that coach to come up with a game plan for the, for the season. For the season. I'm telling you. I mean, it may may not work. But right now it hasn't worked for Pepperdine. I'm telling y'all. I don't even know y'all. But I'm telling y'all that it hasn't worked yet. But it will work soon. 
three-point shooting has to improve. Now, North Texas women's basketball, they don't, they're don't they not known for their three-point shooting, which is going to kill them in the long run, right? I think everybody in the stat has looked at three-point shooting as the number one thing. They don't look at field goals. They don't look at... Um, they don't look at turnovers. They don't look at uh, assists. They look at three-point percentage. North Texas does not have that. North Texas is not a three-point shooting team. They don't have three-point shooters on this ball club, which, I mean, you have to live with it because you got to play their style. And their style of game is half-court stuff. So whenever North Texas is in the half-court, you got to play their style, right? They're not a fast-breaking team. You got to play their style. You got you to gotta play where um, they're running plays, they're moving around. You got to be able to communicate. You got to be able to defend them. Because right now, they don't know their identity, North Texas. They're, they're 7-1, but they, they don't know who they are yet. I said yet. They don't know who they are yet. Last season, it was about Quincy Noble getting her in the ball, giving her touches. That was last season. This season is more of is more of is more of a team environment which I love. That's why for the record that they're going on right now. I mean you don't have to have the three point shooter, but you're making teams play your pace. So I already talked about the turnovers and I'm going to talk about um, you haven't played anyone yet. Okay. You haven't played anyone yet. The toughest team that you played that you lost to was Texas AM. I mean, I guess the second toughest team you played against was Southern Illinois, but then again, you 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 um, you didn't rally. You you kept the lead. You were up as many as 17, and they started chipping away at the lead, and you eventually finished it. So you had some adversity during the game, which which uh, which you you had these teams keep chip, chipping at the lead, keep chipping at the bits, and so um. With that being said, I do think that uh, I do think that uh, that chipping bits at the lead. Um, I do think that this is not a decent ball club. Oh, I'm sorry. This is not. This is a good ball club, but it's not great. I just think that you need to get hit in the mouth a little bit more. I just think that getting hit in the mouth will mean a lot. Texas A&M hits you in the mouth. They did it all game long. They they were physical all game long in the mouth. They did that. However, however, Texas A&M. I'm sorry, not Texas A&M. North Texas needs to play another team better than who they have, like Pepperdine or Alcorn State. That's the next matchup. That's not, not Alcorn State, but Arkansas Pine Bluff, which is another matchup they play against tomorrow. And so, with that being said, um, you can't tell me that y'all are a great team. This 7-1 start is, is, is great. It's great. But you haven't played anyone yet. I mean, I'm not saying go out there and schedule against UConn or Maryland or any of those top uh, women's basketball teams. Schedule quality opponents. 
which in conference play, we're going to know more. We're going to know more of how you play. We're going to know more of which North Texas team is going to show up in conference play. Forget non-conference. We're going to see who shows up, what team shows up. Is it the team right now that we're seeing, or is it the team from last year? Because if it's a team from last year, nothing else has changed but the coach and the coaching staff. That's what's changed. And that probably the atmosphere as well. And I go out I, I go there to say TCU, right? So TCU is eight and right? In women's basketball, they're eight and TCU has not played anyone. I'm looking at their schedule now. Let's see. They had close wins against Nebraska and um, Incarnate World. I didn't even know that was a that was a twelve o'clock game on November the fifteenth. Okay, so you only played two quality opponents. Actually, let me let me say this: you only played one quality opponent and you beat them. So, actually, you know what? Forget the quality opponents. You didn't play anyone. Period. But I'm happy. I'm happy that you're 8-0. Because you know why? Because things can get worse. Right? They can get worse. If you don't play well, you can get worse. And I'm interested to see this matchup tonight against Albany Christian. The TCU women's basketball, they're playing against Albany Christian tonight in Fort Worth. So I'm interested to see what type of team I'm going to watch for tomorrow. I'm sorry, not tomorrow. Tonight. Is it the team that is it the team that is gone eight and zero, or is that team that that from last year that we have never heard of? Okay, so I do appreciate TCU's success, and I appreciate Men Green Women's success, which is why I say the kind the kind of the same thing because both both programs have new head coaches, both programs have players except that yeah they have players now but except that TCU has quality players than North Texas does but North Texas they have decent players but for North Texas players can be, can easily be beat so but I'm happy that where North Texas is, is at right now as far as the women's program goes alright but I'm interested to see what TCU can bring against what 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 TCU brings against Abilene Christian tonight. It's only ESPN Plus two, by the way. So number two, Mississippi Valley versus North Texas. That's the men's side. They beat them seventy nine to forty eight by thirty one points. Now Mississippi Valley State, they have it rough. They haven't played a home game yet. So uh, we need to get them a home game, guys. You need to play at home during the season. But then again, the co- coaches coaches make the schedule, guys. You got to remember, coaches make the schedule to challenge the players. I'm pretty sure when George Ivy made the schedule, I'm pretty sure he was saying, "I need to have players out of challenge. I need to be out of our home to go on the road to be challenged. We'll see how this see how how this team comes together. Let's see how they how they." about bond let's see what type of team is showing on the court and so they have not shown it yet their own eight 
but but I wouldn't go on to say they're a good ball club. I wouldn't say that at all. I, I can't say that because you know why? I don't want to say that. There's a growth. There has to be improvement, which they will improve. And I'm talking about Mississippi Valley State. They will improve, and good luck to them. Now, North Texas side, this was another game that was scheduled. This is another game that that has that you, that you take they you take care of. We know North Texas needs to score a lot of points. We know that last season they only scored they only averaged fifty nine or sixty points a game. But they, but their opponent their but their opponents right now are scoring 53, 54 points a game. So that's good defense. However, um, we got to have an offensive uh, uh, fire firehouse. We don't have that right now. But things could change over time. Could change in conference play. Could change in, in um, could change. It could change in conference play. It could change in, in between now and, and uh, the end of this month. And so... With that being said, I want North Texas to, they're unselfish. They have 13 assists as a team, so they're unselfish. They're, they're, so they play for one another. They defend for one another. The, I'm, the communication on defense is, is consistent. The defense hasn't changed from last year, so the defense is still there. The, the hands are still up. You know, it's tough. It's tough. If, I'm a, if I'm an opponent playing against North Texas, it's tough, it's tough to get – the score against them. It's tough. You got to go. I don't know what avenue you have to go through. And then number three, Boise State is tonight. So Boise State is an NCAA tournament team from last season. They're playing against North Texas tonight at Boise State. So that is on the Mountain West. I want to try to find that and see if I can watch that game. So that's online. That's on the internet. If you're talking about Texas. So, with that being said, um, with that being said, I'm interested to see this matchup tonight. But North Texas-wise, it's going to be a rough week. Because not only that, you got, uh, I'm going to pull up their schedule. I'm going to definitely talk about that. That's not their schedule. I'm pulling it up right now. So, so they uh they play again. They Wi-Fi works, but it's gonna be a rough. It's gonna be a tough. Well, it, you know that's not it. That's like, oh, I don't want to I don't talk to my dog. Even though I try Tiger, I seen Tiger Woods, you know, move up in the ranks, but I don't talk about golf. Unless, unless he's, unless he, uh, unless he, unless he wins the tournament, then I will talk about it. But I don't talk about golf. But let me see. I got. Uh, Boys say they got Forham on Sunday. That's on the Yes Network. And then they got Mississippi State next Sunday. So. They're gonna take that week for finals. So a finals week, obviously, that's good. Still, they're still gonna practice, but they're gonna take that week to get finals out of the way, so they can fo- focus on the stretch run. So, with that being said, I'm interested to see what what happens tonight. 
Now let's get to the Spurs talk, and then we'll get to the NBA Udoka and LeBron talk before we end. Now the Spurs have lost 14 straight games. We need to fix them. We need to find a way to fix the Spurs. If I can't fix the Spurs, who can? I just saw a clip of Wimby yesterday going through post-ups against Greg Popovich. Well, actually, Pop was teaching him post-ups. But, but Pop, yeah, Pop was teaching him, teaching him how to post up. And I'm saying to myself, if we're going to have Wimby post-up against, if we're going to have Wimby post-up in the games, we got to figure out a way to get him the ball. We got to figure out what matchup. We got to figure out who's defending him. Who, who, who is defending Wimby? Who are these opponents that are defending Wimby to the fullest? Who's defending Wimby? Okay? Because right now, I don't see anybody defending him right now. They're, they're focusing on the outside game of Wimby. That's where they, they're going to defend him at. So, if, if we're teaching him post-up plays, don't you think we, we run more post-up plays for him instead of just having him hang out at the wing all the time and make these defenders be, make, make the finish out a little easier than it should be? We should defend them at the, at the, we should, he should post up more. But we need a quality point guard to give him the ball. We need players to give him the ball more. We don't have that right now. This is why we're on the 14 game losing shit. We have not finished. We have we we're, we don't have players to give him the ball anymore. We're not running enough for Wimby, so we're not running enough plays for Wimby. Running enough for Wimby. We're not running enough plays for him. Another thing is we're, we're not finishing games. Finish. So when you get to the second half. We're up, let's say, by six or eight points, right? We got to find players that are going to take quality shots in the possessions. We got to be able to, to, to attack downhill, okay? We have struggled keeping leads. We have struggled defending. I don't like the fact that we're, 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 in, the, we're in the space right now. I don't like this at all. But... But they always say the future's bright, right? Last year, y'all wanted Wimby, Spurs fans. Y'all wanted him. Y'all said he's the best coming to LeBron James. Well, LeBron has proved you wrong. LeBron at 35, 38 years old, 39 years old in the next few weeks is putting up numbers that a 21, 22-year-old is supposed to be put up. But then again, we got amateurs that don't care about the game. That's another issue. But anyways, the Spurs have to have a point guard, a true point guard outside of Trey Jones. Trey Jones has regressed this year. I'm not proud of Trey Jones at all. I feel like Trey Jones is overrated and inconsistent at best. I'm not proud of it. I'm disappointed in Trey Jones. I thought he'll be the next best good-looking point guard, but he hasn't looked great. Tony Parker is still is a Hall of Famer. He goes to the Hall soon, but 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 I, I just I, I just can't. I just can't. I just can't do this. I just can't 
I need a point guard. I need a point guard. I don't want Jeremy Shohan to be our point guard. Because you see you see Jeremy Shohan bring the ball up so quickly. No point guard is going to bring up the ball so quickly like that. You know when the player when the point when someone's trying to bring up the quickly like that, they're not they're not built to be a point guard at all. Period. I don't know why the Spurs put him that way. Why don't you go sign a point guard? There's a lot of players that want to play point guard on this first team. Go out there, sign them. I know they're not veterans. They're younger players. I remember getting rid of campaign in the offseason. Why did we get rid of campaign? He's. We could have had a point guard. I don't, you know, the results are the results, right? But I need a point guard. I need also I need Kelvin Jones, Kelvin Johnson to develop. Kelvin Johnson has those games of twenty plus points, and then he falls off, and then you see him score potential points of fifteen, eighteen, stuff like that. I need Kelvin to average twenty points a game. It shouldn't be Wimby, it shouldn't be uh, Devin Vassell. Because I don't know his availability. It, should, it definitely should mean Zach Collins. Because Zach Collins is the worst post big man in the league. Yes, he is the worst. Anybody that gets dunked off from behind on the front is the worst big man in the league. Can't control his own. He cannot control his own. At least for Rudy Gobert, he can defend the paint. At least for Rudy Gobert. I don't want Rudy Gobert. I want a big man that can knock these guys off their feet. I want a big man that's consistent. Zach Collins is not consistent. So, consistency. And now I'm talking about Bassey and Collins. I need consistency from Bassey and Collins, especially Collins. Collins gets bulk of the minutes. I need him to be consistent. Right now, he's just taking the space for the next big man that wants to play for the Spurs. He's not even Tim Duncan. He's not even David Robinson. He's just another guy that 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 takes over a roster spot for what? For what? So, I want that. That's how you you know you you fix the Spurs with sense. I need Kelvin Jones to be consistent. I need Devin Mills to stay healthy. I need the bench to step up. We don't have a bench right now. Malachi Brenham has not shown up. Trey Jones shows up in spurts. Pop, he's doing his best, but Pop, you have the wrong guys assisting you. You have Brent Brown assisting you. Brent Brown just got put the Savior Sixers back a little uh, 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 way, a lot of ways. He's put back a lot of ways. Brent Brown is not is not the answer on this basketball team. He's not the answer at all. And if, if, we're, if we're going to talk about Miss Johnson, Miss Johnson, I thought he was the answer, but Miss Johnson has progressed a little bit to me. So I don't know who's going to coach the Spurs team out at, uh, in uh, and when Pop decides to retire. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I can't trust Brent Brown. I definitely can't trust Mitch Johnson. 
or whoever they have out there. I rather trust uh, Becky Hammond to coach this team. She won't come back because she's she has a great in Las Vegas. So coaching has to be one. And Kelvin Johnson, I'm challenging Kelvin Johnson and 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 them themselves to step up. Coaching staff needs to improve. So I'm writing this down. Coaching staff needs to improve. Okay, and then number six, uh, Kelvin Joseph, not Kelvin Joseph, uh, Kelvin Johnson, and um, them themselves need to be challenged. Them themselves need to be challenged because they're not challenged right now. I guess that's how you fix the Spurs, right? All right. Before we get out of here for today, let's play a clip from the LeBron and Ime Yudoka interaction. They had a little beef over the weekend, so let's. I'm gonna give my take on it, and then we'll and then we'll uh, wrap it up. So let's play that uh, clip from LeBron and Ime, please. You don't usually see. You don't usually see stuff like this. For coaches and players. I'm going to ask you on the last one. Well, that's what you're telling me. Tell me what you're doing. 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 So, that was LeBron and Ime getting into it. So, basically, Ime was saying, Stop filing like a little bitch, right? He didn't call LeBron outside of his name. He just told LeBron, hey, stop filing. Then LeBron goes up there and says, don't use that word loosely. He, you know, he makes, I think he said the, he, he said bitch like at least three times. And then the official got in, got in the way and teed up both guys, except he may was ejected from the ball game. And I'm like, okay, I know it was your second technical foul, Ime. Both of those guys are allowed to speak. If LeBron sees something, he needs to go address it, which I which I agree with that LeBron needed to go up there and say, hey, what would you say about me? Because it, it, it could have been something way left, right? Could have been talking about his family, all that stuff. But Ime called him soft. I'm not saying LeBron's soft. Both of those guys had the had the right to say what they wanted to say. Both of those guys did. It's just that the official that was there took it way out out of the line. The official didn't need to be there. You have players that were defending email. You had players that were that, that they weren't even close to LeBron. But you had that's how close Houston is. Houston's got a good team. They got a good team. This is not last year where you had one individual player set for themselves. They they had like two, three guys. You know, you got um you got Dylan Brooks playing peacemaker, getting LeBron away from his coach. That's the respect that these Houston players have for email. Because you're willing to be ejected for standing up to the, to the king. I mean, no one else has ever done that. 
everyone else just tries to run away and just tries to say out of out, out of their mouth and say and say it in private about LeBron. But for anybody to step up to say what's up, you're not going to do this against my team. You're soft. I, of course, I again, he didn't call him a bitch. He called. He would just say, "Stop fouling like a little bitch." That's different. And so, um, with that being said, I don't like I, I don't like the fact that the official stepped in and injected both of them. I don't like that. I hated it. I hated the fact that both fish, both guys were both guys were teed up. You gotta let them talk. You gotta let them have their say. Let them let them let them address it and let them get over it. The officials did not need to be there and and, um, and try to break it up. These officials have lines across. Like players, we have lines that we don't cross. Like normal people, we have lines we don't cross at all. Especially when it comes to because of private situations. That was a conversation between LeBron and Emay. It needed to stay there. The official did not need to get involved. The official was doing that for show. You know, I noticed something. I noticed these officials from the NFL, <coughs> excuse me, the NBA, college sports, all around. I noticed, I noticed a trend lately. I noticed that whenever there's a big matchup, there, there's a big matchup, I noticed that the officials are going to be there to in, in, intercept that. I noticed that. I noticed that. I noticed that. I, I don't know if it's me or, or somebody or if, if, if I'm looking at the game wrong, but I noticed that these officials as of late, they, they're trying to be the main attraction. Like Chris Paul and Scott Foster, their communication, for example, Scott Foster got, got, got into it. Scott Foster shouldn't, was wrong. He was wrong. But, again, these officials are, are taking the, the spotlight from the matchups. They should, they should call the game for what it is. Allow these players to talk. Now, it gets out of line. If, it, if there's... If there is someone's throwing hands, yes. Okay, go ahead and tee them up and all that stuff. But don't inject them for that because of a conversation. That's ridiculous. They were just talking. And that goes for any player. That goes for Draymond. Hey, Draymond can talk. But you don't tee up Dr- Now, the talking gets out of line. If he's saying the N-word or stuff like that, calling out everything else, then yes, that's when you draw the line and, and you tee them up. But you don't see, play, uh, you don't inject Eme for that. Especially if you don't see up LeBron. Well, you can see up LeBron, but but LeBron was there first. LeBron didn't really have to go up there, but he did. He protected his brand. He protected his own. Eme called him out. LeBron addressed it. I mean, to me, to me, there's no winners in this situation. Both of those guys. We're having conversation. Unfortunately, the official had to step in and hear the entire conversation, which it was none of his business to intervene. So we got to do better. We got to do better. These officials got to do better in addressing their situations. You, you, the NBA, you talk about drawing the line with the players. Why don't you draw the line with your officials? 
You all need to address that Scott Foster situation. You all need to address that official. I can't remember his name. You all need to address that official who ejected Ime and rescinded that technical foul that Ime had. So, or else this, this trend will keep going on and, and then and then it will be a problem and then these coaches will start getting fines everywhere and all that stuff. Alright guys, that is my show for today. Now, I said that we're not going to talk about college football till maybe till about, you know, maybe till about the 26th because that's where the bowl season starts. Well, college football playoff starts. The bowl season. Don't disrespect, don't disrespect the bowl season. And shout out to SME for winning that the AC, AAC conference, by the way. We're going to talk about football and basketball. I'm going to talk about the Phillies and the and the uh, and the Cowboys. How how did we get our redemption back? Because I'm I'm picking them to win this game. I'm picking the Cowboys to win this game and other basketball stuff. And I will give you an update of what I see with TCU's women's basketball. I want I want to address that. So guys, I'll talk about it on the other side. Make sure you follow me, subscribe, and um and love each other, everyone. Take care. And have a good day. It's Beyond the Game on Official Radio. Hey world, this is Jamie, host of the Jamie and Genty Show. Broadcasting live each week on Tuesday at 12 p.m. from Fishbowl Studios. Log on to hear sports talk from basketball to football and view your feedback on the biggest sports news you want to talk about from around the world. So be sure to log on each week Tuesdays at 12 p.m. to catch the Jamie and Genty Show. Hope to see you soon on Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in.